Have you checked out the new Brian Nichols Show collection over at Proud Libertarian? Head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash shop and you can grab some amazing Liberty swag that will definitely help pique some interest from our good ideas don't require force snapbacks, Alexa overthrow the government t-shirts, question everything mugs, and of course our ever popular don't hurt people, don't take people's stuff bumper sticker. The Brian Nichols Show shop over at Proud Libertarian has all the Liberty swag you need. And hey, if you're looking for more awesome Liberty apparel, check out the rest of the amazing Proud Libertarian store while you're over there. And be sure to use code TBNS at checkout to get 10% off your entire order. That's right, 10% off your entire order from Proud Libertarian, including everything over at the Brian Nichols Show shop. And all you have to use is code TBNS at checkout. One more time, head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash shop and check out the brand new Brian Nichols Show store over at Proud Libertarian and use code TBNS at checkout for 10% off your entire order. We can become great at doing the the things that we do well, the things that are, we focus on. Like I'm, I think our audience is great at selling liberty. I think we have yeah. been amazing at doing that. Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. As a sales and marketing executive in the greater telecommunications cybersecurity industry, Brian works with C-level executives to help them future-proof their company's infrastructure for an uncertain future. And in each episode, Brian takes that experience and applies it to the liberty movement. You start to ask questions that piques interest and get him to feel like, okay, this guy's actually got something that maybe can help me out. And then in your asking of questions and trying to uncover the real problems, build that natural trust. I know I went in the monologue there, man. (laughs) Instead of focusing on simply winning arguments or being right, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and their application in the world of politics, showing you how to ask better questions, tell better stories, and ultimately change people's minds. And now, your host, Brian Nichols. Well, happy Wednesday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thanks for joining us. And yes, you saw by the name of the episode, we have a returning guest. And honestly, when it comes to education policy, I I can't think of anybody in the past decade who has had as much significance as this man has in terms of impact in actually getting policy into action. Corey DeAngelis is returning to the program And we're not just talking about school choice, we're talking about the solutions that school choice brings to an arena full of problems, but also how can we go ahead and tell the stories of what school choice is doing for others. Corey takes some time with us here on today's episode to dig into how, yes, it is important to, in fact, know your audience and, you know it, folks, meet people where they're at. So, with that being said, onto the show, Corey DeAngelis returning to the Brian Nichols Show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, Corey. Thank you for returning to the program. So excited to have this conversation because, my friend, you are having just such success in in bringing school choice not just to people's minds, but actually into policy. Where are we at now? How many states have now embraced funding students versus funding systems? I think nationwide, we're at about 31 states now. So over half state of the states have some form of funding students as opposed to systems or what most people call private school choice. And this year alone, we're calling this the year of school choice because 19 states in this year alone have enacted or expanded programs to fund students directly as opposed to funding government school buildings. Wow. Uh, And what some one of the best parts about this and the greatest part is that the 
teachers unions are actively destroying their own empire. They've overplayed their hand over the past year and a half by showing the country their their true colors and by fighting to protect themselves at the expense of families at the worst time possible. And if you look at the latest Real Clear Opinion Research polling on this, between April of 2020 and, uh, and June of 2021, there's been a 10 percentage point jump in support for funding students directly from 64% support in April of 2020 to 74% support in June of 2021. And I think and the, some of the biggest jumps in support have been among Democrats and families who had their kids in the public school system. So more and more families are starting to realize that there isn't any good reason to fund failing closed government-run institutions when you can fund the students directly instead. And that is the survey I was talking about. And thank God I was right. The biggest jumps were from Democrats and parents of children in the public school system. So like the way that I put this before is that COVID didn't break the public school system. It it was already broken in a lot of ways. And the past year and a half simply shined a spotlight on the main problem with K-12 education in America, which happens to be a massive, long-existing power imbalance between the public school monopoly and individual families. It's one thing for a government-run institution to continue receiving children's education dollars year after year despite failing to meet their needs. But it's another conversation altogether for those same failing institutions to continue receiving children's education dollars, regardless of whether they even open their doors for business. So families were scrambling over the past year and a half, and they started to realize that while they were trying to dig into their pockets to pay for alternatives, the closed buildings continued to receive their children's money while they were left stranded. And so I think it started to become clearer and clearer that the funding should be portable, that should follow the child to wherever they're getting an education. We wouldn't have seen all of these problems that we saw over the past year and a half if we only had mechanisms to fund students directly as opposed to funding these buildings that had no incentive essentially to cater to the needs of families. So you had like... I mean, I was going to say really quick, I had this up for for folks who, by the way, were were playing along here with the the audio only version. We have a chart that um, that that Corey's referring to is the the impact of the pandemic. And I'll I'll let you get right back to there, Corey. But I'm looking over here. The the biggest surprise that caught me off guard was the 11 percent increase in support from Democrats in terms of supporting school choice now to 70 percent. That's huge. And yet we see a lot of our friends in the left argue against school choice. It's just it's it's really interesting when you see it's the exact opposite. People are actually embracing school choice in mass. Yeah. And I think part of that one is people who are normally okay with their public schools started to say, well, maybe I want an exit option just in case. Maybe going forward, I want to keep my public school, which you can still have with with the school choice program or something. an an initiative that allows the funding to follow the child. You can still have that money go to your public school and enroll your kid in the public school. But maybe they started to say that, well, if for whatever reason, there's a situation where I do want to pull my kid out of the public school, maybe that some of that funding should follow my child to an alternative uh, uh, scenario. Another thing I I think people, I I don't know how much I've had an influence on this, but um, I think I've influenced you to make a shirt with the new saying, and by the way, thank you so much for this shirt. For people listening in the audio version, it's a kid with a book 
and it says fund students, not systems. I think that's been really important to change the conversation from just saying school choice to saying fund students, not systems, because one, it's more transparent. It gets to the idea that we just want the same money that that would have went to the public school to follow the child to wherever they're getting an education. And then two, it puts the other side on defense and puts the burden of proof on them as to why we should fund buildings and not students directly. And it puts them in this really weird predicament where it's really indefensible to argue for the status quo, especially because this starts to turn a light bulb on for a lot of people that understand other programs that fund individuals as opposed to institutions. For example, with higher education, we have the Pell Grant for low-income students where the funding goes to the student, and then they can rightfully choose between public or private, religious or non-religious universities. We do the same thing with pre-K programs, including the Federal Head Start program. We don't residentially assign low-income families and tell them to a government-run pre-K provider and tell them we must, they must take their children there. Instead, the funding goes to the family and they can choose public, private, religious or non-religious providers of pre-K services and and so on and so on. We do the same thing with Medicaid dollars. You can take your Medicaid dollars to private religious hospitals if you want. You can also take it to the public provider. You can do the same thing with um, the same idea with food stamps. We allow the family to take the food stamps to Walmart, Safeway, Trader Joe's, Harris Teeter, the funding follows the decision of the individual family unit. And it only, it's weird to me because a lot of the people that support all these other initiatives where the funding goes to people, they get all up in arms about allowing funding to follow the individual only when it comes to the in-between years of K through 12 education. And the only difference there is power dynamics. And and Brian, you know this because I'd say it so, so many times, but Choice is the norm when it comes to higher education, pre-K, and just about any other industry in the United States, but choice threatens an entrenched special interest that would otherwise profit from getting your children's education dollars, regardless of how well they do, regardless of the satisfaction levels of the families. And what we've seen over the past year or year and a half, regardless of whether they even open their doors for business. So they fight really hard against any change to the status quo. I mean, this should not be a partisan issue and hopefully... Uh, according to that polling, if that's correct, it's becoming less of a partisan issue. And I think part of that has to do with people starting to understand the concept of funding students directly, as opposed to this term school choice, which a lot of people don't really even know what that means. Well, and how important is it to not always be playing defense? I love that you are, are focusing on this because this is something I have been raising up here on the program to the audience. And what we've been talking about across the board is the importance of making sure that we're setting the narrative because even if, you know, let's just pretend that we're, we're having our uh, ideological opponents being good faith actors, they are still having the opportunity to set the narrative to whatever it wants to be. And again, as you said, Corey, then we're on the defensive. So, nay, let's start setting that narrative. Let's start meeting people where they're at and showing them this isn't, it's not what you you think it is and, and explain it in that way to actually sell the solution. So let's sell that solution. You're seeing states, they're, they're passing school choice en masse, and mass and you've gone through in, in previous episodes and on other appearances the, the value of school choice, but let's talk about the, the outcomes, the results. What are some K 
case studies that we can look to right now that you're going to say, you know what, Brian, if I ever had to look at somebody, they're, they're maybe a little on the fence with school choice. I point them to this example and it's almost a, a silver bullet every single time. What's that, uh, that argument for you? Ask the individual family what they want. I mean, that's the best evidence that there is when, when families have the opportunity to choose an alternative, they do it in large numbers. I used to point to the scientific evidence on this a lot, but I've come to start to realize that the more powerful argument is that families know more about their children's needs than bureaucrats sitting in offices hundreds of miles away, regardless of what the quote unquote academic studies say on the topic. Families shouldn't need to uh, use academic studies to prove why they should be able to choose their children's educations. The, the burden of proof should be on the other side for the governments to try to argue why families should not have the right to choose their children's educational environments. So, I mean, just look at the wait list for charter schools all across the country. There's consistently hundreds of thousands of student names on charter school wait lists. So there's just families begging for the opportunity to get away. Look at what the teachers unions say whenever you propose allowing families to have an exit option. Their first response is, oh my goodness, you're trying to destroy public education. You're going to destroy our public schools. That's the best evidence we have uh, that the providers of our children's educational services, the monopoly, understands that they're not doing a good job and that families are not satisfied with the product that they're serving. So I think that's the best evidence there is. But I mean, I've talked about this on the previous podcast, probably that there's 17 random assignment studies that show that, that look at the, the experiences of kids winning a lottery to attend a private school through a voucher program compared to those students who lost the lottery and who for, for just based on random chance were uh, stuck going to the traditional schools uh, the the kit, 10 out of the majority of those 17 random assignment evaluations find statistically significant positive effects on academic outcomes in either math or reading for some or all students. And all of these studies find that these outcomes at a fraction of the cost because the, the voucher programs are written in ways, the bills are written in ways to where the kids using the voucher get a lot less than they would have gotten in the traditional schools. So for example, in DC where I live, we have the DC Opportunity Scholarship Program. And the DC public schools spend well over $30,000 per child per year, according to the US Census Bureau. And if you wanna look at National Center for Education Statistics, there's pretty clearly documented they spend over $30,000 per kid. The voucher students only received about $10,000 per kid in the latest school year. And so they get about the same outcomes academically in D.C. and much higher reports of satisfaction and safety at a third of the cost. Of course, the media is going to focus on the test score results, which are about the same between the two sectors. But oftentimes the media will overlook the fact that the satisfaction rates are much higher, the, uh, the attendance rates are much higher, the reports of safety are much higher, all at a third of the cost which um, which is just a win-win scenario for taxpayers and the, the users of the program as well. Um, so yeah, but look, there's, there's tons of scientific evidence suggesting that students using voucher programs uh, are more satisfied. There's about 30 studies on that topic. Almost all of them, if not all of them, find the students using these programs are more satisfied than they would have been. 
they report higher levels of safety and they uh there's also six studies linking school choice to crime reduction and all six of them are peer reviewed and find statistically significant reductions in crime which goes to show you families are choosing these schools based on a lot of different things that aren't always going to be measured by test scores they might be measured by it's some, something captured in these reports of safety that aren't measured in, by math or reading test scores. So it could be the safety of the school. It could be the gang activity in the school. It could be these other non-cognitive uh, environmental outcomes that are improved um, that that can't be captured just by a math or reading test score. Um, so, but, but again, I, I, I'll just go back and say, look, you don't know better than this family that knows for their own kid they should be able to have that choice. And if you if you think otherwise, the burden of proof should be on you as to why you sh- we should force these kids into schools that are failing them. And as I said, well, you know the value of telling those stories. And actually, last week we had on the show Philip Stutz. He's uh, you know, one of the, the top minds in marketing in terms of politics. He's pretty much been behind the scenes for name name your your GOP election of any significance in the past, you know, 15, 20 years. And most notably, or I guess more maybe more recently, uh, in terms of looking at the significance now is his role that he played in helping one Ron DeSantis get elected back in 2018. And Corey, the, the number one issue that they focused on was that of school choice. So he went out and we see the value of having these conversations with the, the, the parents, the, the kids who are impacted directly by these policies, you're going out, you're having these conversations, not only with lawmakers, but also with, yes, those people who are directly impacted, both the parents and the students, but also the teachers. When you're, when you're out having those conversations, Corey, do you have any stories that stick out that anybody's really you know, brought to you in terms of the impact of school choice on them or, or somebody in their, their lives? Yeah, and I will say in 2018, the Wall Street Journal credited the victory of Ron DeSantis to school choice moms. They called them school choice moms. Uh, Andrew Gillum, his opponent, came out strong against the scholarships. I think he said something along the lines that he was going to take away scholarships. In Florida, they already had over 100,000 scholarships uh, that, that were being used to attend private schools. And these were disproportionately lower income families. The average family uh, student using a scholarship to attend a private school at the K-12 level through the Florida Tax Credit Scholarship Program. The latest data suggests that they come from household incomes of around $27,000-$28,000 total. And so when, when families have that benefit, they start to make school choice a primary voting issue and so you got, you know, a lot of these families who would have statistically been more likely to vote for the Democrat, once they heard that he was going to take their children's educational setting that's working for them away, they said, okay, well, I'm going to, they turned out in large numbers for the other guy that was going to protect their ability to choose their children's education. So they, they made school choice a voting issue. And I think that's why teachers unions are so afraid of any proposal to, to empower families because the, the unions know that once people get a little bit of a taste of educational freedom, they'll fight like hell to prevent any of, of, of the teachers union monopoly from ripping that away from them. And so the unions know that the families will become this new kind of special interest in the, in the K to 12 setting where um, 
want, even when you get your foot in the door with a small program, that's likely to increase over time because those families are going to fight to keep it. And other families are going to say, oh, this isn't so bad. The public school didn't didn't just uh, get destroyed. Actually, they're doing a lot better because of competitive pressures. And then um, it's easier to make a case to expand the program uh, going forward. I will say there is an interesting story in the Washington Examiner by a student that used the uh, Florida Tax Credit Scholarship Program. I think their name was Elijah. And they highlight a story of this student that said that that it was a uh, they were an L- LGBTQ student. Um, I don't remember their preferred pronoun, but, but uh, they had made the case or the argument that they were feeling like they were just so bullied in the public school setting that the scholarship actually saved their life. So this is another reason why I think it's important not to regulate these programs based on standardized test score results when something like being bullied every day might not get translated into the, into an evaluation that academics are, are doing at their desks and they don't, they can't really see what's going on, 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 on the ground with the individual students. So I thought that was a story that was very interesting to me. Another one is from one of my colleagues actually at the American Federation for Children, Walter Blake Blanks Jr. He actually was a beneficiary of a voucher program in Ohio and he, uh, he credits that program to saving his life, uh, I believe, for similar types of reasons. There was more bullying going on in the public school setting. And he's been very successful uh, spreading the word with school choice. He actually had a, a, a roundtable meeting. He was included in a viral video with former President Trump. Uh, and I think one of the interesting clips was when he, Trump was asking everybody what they wanted to do when they, when they grew up. And Walter said something along the lines like, I'm coming for your job because he wants to go into uh, politics going forward. So those are just a couple of stories. It's important to tell those stories, right? Because at the end of the day, this is this is the real story that people care about because they want to see not just the positive outcomes, but they also want to make sure that, yeah, are those worst case scenarios actually the worst case scenarios? And I think 2020, Corey, was a resounding yes to a lot of those worst case scenarios across the board. I just had Tiffany Justice on the program. She's from Moms for Liberty. And just the number of parents who are irate. I mean, it was 26 uh, states, 80 plus chapters for an organization that's just under a year old. Wow. I mean, that speaks to that there are people out there right now who they saw firsthand that when push came to shove, their public schooling system just adamantly failed just across the board. And they are looking for these solutions. So as we go towards the end of the show, Corey, let's focus on this. When you're going out and you're talking to people, what are you finding is the best pitch, if you will, to peak interest to get people to say, yes, I would like to learn more about school choice. Is it something along the lines of specifically asking about that person as we've talked about today and figuring out what their needs are in terms of, are they just a taxpayer? Do they have kids in the system? Or is there something else that you're finding that's actually getting people to uh, say, Corey, tell me more. Well, it really depends on who I'm talking to. If I'm talking to someone on the right, I'll talk about competition and how the public schools may not be providing an adequate 
education or maybe uh, they're indoctrinating the kids in a way that they that d- they don't agree with. If I'm talking to someone on the left, it'll be more about a conversation about equity, that advantaged families already have school choice. They can already afford to live in neighborhoods that tend to be residentially assigned to the best public schools. They're more likely to be able to afford to pay out of pocket for private school tuition and fees and more likely to be able to afford the cost of adequate home-based education. Funding students directly allows more families to access these types of alternatives. And in that way, school choice is an equalizer. So really, yeah, you want to talk to see who you're talking to and to see what's important to them. But at the same time, I think regardless of political background, I think the most compelling argument has been, look, in the public school system, we spend $16,000 on average per student. That money should follow the child to wherever they're getting an education. We should fund students directly, just like we do with Pell Grants, for higher education and with uh, pre-K programs where we don't residentially assign families to a government-run institution regardless of their choice. We fund the people directly, uh, and that works for both sides. Look, I mean, when you're talking to someone from, from the left, they're more likely to support these programs like food stamps and Pell Grants and pre-K programs. So um, that's a really easy argument to make. But at the same time, when you apply this logic to a conversation with someone that's more from the right, uh, this isn't an argument about whether we should have food stamps or whether we should have Pell Grants or whether we should have pre-K programs at all. It's an argument about, look, we have the funding, we're already allocating towards these programs. If we're going to have these programs at all, the funding should go to people and it should follow them to wherever they would like to take those dollars as long as it's an approved provider of educational services. And it doesn't have to be a conversation about, well, do you like food stamps or do you not like food stamps? Uh, It's just getting, I think getting people to understand the logic of funding students directly is the most powerful argument. I think my audience is smiling because they know exactly what I'm going to say. And they're going to say, yeah, we get it, Brian, as you and Chris Goizetta always talk about, know your audience and meet people where they're at. I get it. Well, Hey, guess what? The reason I'm having you on the show, Corey, is because not only are you living by that, but you're actually showing it works. You're not only getting people, as I said at the beginning of the show, to pay attention to school choice, but you're now getting policy into action and you're making people's lives better. How just empowering that is to know that we have the ability when we know how to effectively communicate these ideas and these solutions to your average person, that we can really make a difference. So how about this, my friend? As we're wrapping up, Corey, what would you want to make sure the audience takes away from today's conversation? Anything you uh, you want to make sure you leave them with? We should fund students, not systems. And on that note, uh, if you want to help the fight for funding students directly, go to fundstudentsnotsystems.org, fundstudentsnotsystems.org, and you can track bills that are in your state to to do just that and to empower more families because that's where the action really is. I mean, I think we've got the battle. I think we're victorious when it comes to the logical arguments of funding students directly, but we need to take that next step, which a lot of states have done this year. 19 states have expanded or enacted programs to fund students directly, and we're calling this the year of school choice, but we need to continue that momentum. And the best way to do that is to track the bills that are in play in in your particular state. For example, just a few weeks ago, Pennsylvania, a legislator out there, Andrew Lewis, 
introduced something, uh, House Bill 1, which is a universal education savings account program, the purest form of funding students, not systems, but where you have to pressure the legislators and call and email your legislators to let them know that they should take votes on these things. And because if they don't get a vote, nothing is actually going to happen on the ground. So if you want to empower more families, again, go to fundstudentsnotsystems.org so you can track all of this activity. Fund students, not systems. Folks, if you also want to go ahead, by the way, and get that awesome T-shirt that Corey was uh, rocking there earlier in the episode, there it is. That's right. I will make sure I include that link in the show notes, but also we have a bunch of other fund students, not systems uh, swag from garden flags to uh, protest signs, all that in between. We'll include that link there in the show notes. But with that being said, it's always a blast having you on, Corey. Thank you for fighting the good fight and actually taking the ideas we talk about, bringing them to people right now where they are seeing the problems and offering solutions. Thank you for all you're doing. With that being said, Corey DeAngelis, thanks for joining the program. Hey, thank you so much for having me. You've heard the name Ebels, but now you need to remember My Delta 8. From the same people who brought you Ebels, My Delta 8 is Delta 8 THC, offering a semi-sedative physical sensation without the overwhelming mental simulation of Delta 9 THC, resulting in a smoother, much milder experience. Both Ebels and My Delta 8 offer both best quality product and customer service in the industry, from helping manage chronic pain, anxiety, depression, and more. The reviews are in, folks. Both Ebels and My Delta 8 are truly game changers as a natural alternative to big pharma drugs. And hey, yours truly here at the Brian Nichols Show can vouch for the quality of Ebels and my Delta 8 having to deal with a herniated disc in my back, plus years of sports injuries. Ebels and my Delta 8 offer relief where generic medicines simply mask the pain. And did you know you can get Ebels and my Delta 8 delivered right to your door at a special discounted price? That's right. All members of the Brian Nichols Show audience can use promo code TBNS at checkout and boom, discount applied. Again, that's code TBNS at checkout to get the highest quality CBD and Delta 8 THC on the market delivered right to your door. One more time, the code is TBNS at checkout. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with Corey DeAngelis. Yes, I said it once, I'll say it again. He is easily one of, if not the most impactful people as it comes to having not just a voice, but influence on actual education policy. Thank you, Corey, for all you're doing, especially here as you join us on The Brian Nichols Show, showing the importance of meeting people where they're at, but also knowing your audience. So folks, if you enjoyed the episode, well, please do me a favor, go ahead and share today's episode and make sure when you do tag Corey, I'll include his uh, information in the show notes, but also make sure you tag yours truly at B Nichols Liberty, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Also, you can go ahead and make sure you are following us on YouTube if you are not already. We're going to be going a lot more active over uh, over on those different channels, so please stay tuned. Also, if you want to go ahead and tell me how much you enjoyed the uh, episode personally, well, email me, brian at briannicholsshow.com. Okay, just kidding. The actual reason you should email me is if you want to go ahead and uh, get a guest on the program. I'm always looking for especially, especially candidates. Please, Send candidates my way. I'm looking forward to having those conversations. So please email me. Yes, Brian at BrianNicholsShow.com. Also, if you want to go ahead and tell the world what value you're getting from the program, head to BrianNicholsShow.com forward slash reviews and give us a five-star 
rating and review that they've been coming in by the troves please if you are getting value out of the program i would sincerely appreciate it head to briannicholshow.com forward slash reviews give us a five star rating and review also have you gotten our five our five (laughs) i was gonna say our five star rating and review have you gotten our four there we go easy steps uh, that you can sell or implement now to help sell liberty to friends and family ebook well it's a free resource and you can head to briannicholshow.com forward slash liberty friends ebook and pick up your free copy today or if you want just as you're perusing the brian nichols show website just click on the uh, the sponsor link and it'll bring you right to the landing page as well give us your name and your email address and boom ebook ebook will be right there in your inbox also five days a week you will get around 6 a.m or so my morning sales huddle where yes it's actually me at 6 a.m sending you an email usually ballpark right after my workout or so so tomorrow morning uh as i, I do my morning sales huddle as we're airing here uh it's gonna be wednesday morning as you're hearing this yeah you're gonna hear me probably mention my conversation with Corey DeAngelis on uh you know talking about how we can replace incumbent vendors that might be something that we're gonna be talking about hint hint so if you want to go ahead and make sure you're not missing out on that well please Head to briannicholshow.com forward slash Liberty Friends ebook. Get the free ebook and also get added to our email list for our morning sales huddle Monday through Friday. Also, if you want to go ahead and help support the Brian Nichols Show, well, hey, that's how we keep the lights on. There are two options. Option A, and, and by the way, if you head to briannicholshow.com forward slash support, you will find both of these options. Option A is you can do a one-time PayPal donation. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 50, 100, 200, 500, 1,000. Here's the the, the reality. I'm not going to tell you how much, how little to contribute. Whatever you can, I would greatly appreciate it because at the end of the day, Everything that you bring uh, in terms of value to the show, whether that's you helping share the show, whether that's the financial contributions, it helps us grow. So if you want to help grow the Brian Nichols show from a financial means, I would greatly appreciate it. So you can make that one-time PayPal donation or... If you want to become a supporting listener while also getting some extra behind-the-scenes content, some bonus stuff, and also some exclusive access to yours truly, head to our Patreon. Again, you can find that at briannicholshow.com forward slash support. Multiple different levels with a lot of different options for you. So please, if you're interested in going ahead and checking that out, head over to briannicholshow.com forward slash support. And as I go ahead and pull up my list here, I want to go ahead and thank... The amazing folks who help keep the lights on here at The Brian Nichols Show. Who are they? Daryl Schmitz, Laura Stanley, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Hody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the big We Are Libertarians channel. Thank you to the amazing folks here who are helping keep us growing at The Brian Nichols Show. We are reaching more and more people and having these types of conversations is how we're going to be able to uh, continue to have more and more of these conversations by reaching more and more people. And also, you can help us reaching more people and helping us grow by supporting our sponsors. So if you want to go ahead and support the amazing sponsors, but also get some discounts on some products you likely use like CBD, Delta 8, uh, if you use any meal delivery services like, uh, you know, Thrive Markets, for example, uh, we have a lot of different options for you. So head over to briannicholshow.com forward slash sponsors. Your supporting our sponsors helps in turn support the show. And also while you're there, make sure you go ahead and use your discount codes that are included right in the links. So you get some uh, some money back in return. Also, if you want to go ahead and support the amazing Brian Nichols Show shop that we are partnered with over at Proud Libertarian, head to briannicholshow.com forward slash shop. And yes, as we mentioned today on the episode, you can get 
the fund students not systems t-shirt but also beyond that there are so many more different things garden flags protest signs uh you know the list i think we had stickers bumper stickers i gotta go ahead and double check at some point in time there's so much in terms of the fund students not systems uh you know collection here at the brian nichols show over on proud libertarian just make sure you use code tbns at checkout it will give you 10 percent off your entire order or if you go ahead and uh, click the link there on our sponsors page It'll instantly be applied at checkout. Uh, you'll see at the very bottom of the screen, it'll even say uh, code TBNS applied. So with that being said, that's all I have for you today. Did you get some value from the conversation? I certainly hope I hope so. And I, I hope you're able to take away some action items in terms of what you can do to help not only effectively sell school choice to people in your immediate circle, but also how to be able to know your audience while also meeting people where they're at. So with that being said, coming up here on Friday, Eli Klein, he is a business owner in New York City, and he is saying, no, I am not going to follow these stupid new mandates, especially these vaccine passports when they are disproportionately impacting minorities and people of color. Uh, No, I don't think I'm going to do that. He's joining us here on the Brian Nichols Show to tell his stories and tell us how he's standing up and fighting back. So make sure you've hit that subscribe button so you're not missing our phenomenal episode coming up here on Friday. But with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off. You're on the Brian Nichols Show for Corey DeAngelis. We'll see you Friday. Thanks for listening to the Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. Who likes going to the grocery store? You have to pick up the car, head to the store, shop amongst the covid masses, stand in line for hours at checkout, then drive all the way back home only to have to lug your groceries into the house. Well, what if you were able to get all your groceries delivered right to your door with savings up to 50% off of the big guys? Brian, your Thrive Market order has arrived. Thrive Market is one of the top grocery store alternatives on the market featuring hundreds of products for specific diets and lifestyles. So, you eating paleo or Whole30 or you live in that keto life? Perhaps you have celiacs like yours truly and you want some gluten-free options that actually taste good. Side note, Thrive literally has one of the best gluten-free pizza crusts I've ever had. Literally have it every single week. And here's what's even better. Not only do all orders over $49 get free shipping, but members of the Brian Nichols Show audience get 20% off their first order. Plus, get one month of their Thrive membership for free. So head over to the show notes and click the link for your exclusive Thrive Market offer and start skipping the grocery store today. Audio production for The Brian Nichols Show is brought to you by DB Podcast Audio. Learn more by emailing inquiries to william at dbpodaudio.com.